You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Good evening. Happy 4th. Greg Hectus. Hi, everybody. Jesse Gray. Happy 4th. Mason Stiver. Hey, guys. And special guest, Jack Dolmage. Hey, everyone. Hey, welcome. Today's special guest brought to you by SimLab Racing Simulator Products. SimLab provides quality sim racing chassis to suit your sim racing needs. Check them out at sim-lab.eu. All right, uh, Jack uh, Dolmage, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, tell us the first time you heard the word iRacing. Uh, how did you hear about it, and what was the, the situation? First time would have been probably first year university. I think I was actually really excited for Project Cars 2 to come out, um, which is kind of funny now. Um, but at the time, I was still racing on the PlayStation, didn't really know what I was doing. And I was actually looking up videos for Project Cars 2 beta. And but a bunch of iRacing clips kept coming up. And I was like, well, this looks really good. And then to my disappointment, I found out that I wasn't going to be able to run it. So um, that's kind of the first time I heard about iRacing. Um, and, and it just blew my mind what you could do with the platform. Uh, so that's kind of when the, the seed was planted, I guess. Okay, very good. And uh, tell us, you know, how often are you racing? What are you racing? Uh, looks like you're a road guy from your stats. <laughs> yeah, my stats are kind of funny. Uh, I think I've only done 40 races or something like that so far. Um, I actually only got a PC uh, last year. Um, and then... I've just it, I've just been crazy busy with a lot of um, personal life stuff and a lot of big things happening, um, and so racing's kind of been taking a backseat late, lately, unfortunately, and it, it's just starting to turn around. I think now where I'll be able to put in the time that I actually want to put in, um, but you know, normally uh, last winter during winter break, um, when I had some vacation, you know, I was I was putting in a lot of races. That's probably where I did about thirty of my forty races. But other than that, it's been so sporadic, and it's it's mostly the special events, uh, mostly the special events lately. Yeah, I mean, looking at your last uh, ten runs, I see some nice finishes. You have a win in the Le Mans Series Suzuka. You had a second, and a second, and a third, and a fifth. So there's some good runs in there. Yeah, I definitely feel like my statistics. Uh, would you know? I, I definitely think I was on a climb. Uh, I kind of had just was starting to figure out how to drive the cars in iRacing because fine, every sim is just a little bit different, and you kind of have to get used to the the tire models and the physics models. Um, and so I was just kind of getting used to iRacing and, and how to drive it when you know I kind of I ran into a lot of personal stuff and, and wasn't able to race as much. So um, yeah, I definitely think you know after this summer I'll be able to jump right back in and uh, hopefully keep that streak going. Okay, very good. Tell us about your setup uh, as far as hardware. You got wheels, pedals, uh, how many monitors, VR? <laughs> yeah, so right now um, <laughs> I kind of, I, I ran into some sim problems uh, with the wheel I had. And so I, I, I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm selling it all and I'm, I'm starting over. So um, right now I have the SimLab uh, P1 chassis, not the P1X, although hope and upgrade. 
Um, and uh, I actually just got uh, my Helsingfeld uh, sprint pedals uh, yesterday. Um, so I was actually just mounting them up today. Um, I have the old Thrustmaster uh, gifter, the TH8A, which does the trick for me. I don't use it that much, so I didn't really think it was worth upgrading. Um, I run a butt kicker, just one under the seat, just for engine and stuff like that. Love to add more, but uh, I just kind of have to figure out. Uh, I have to figure out uh, how to how to do that. I guess add more than one, um, and then the wheel. I actually just pre-ordered uh, the Simicube Two um, Pro last night. Wow. So yeah, so I'll be waiting until September. I think is is the batch that I uh, got a hold of. Um, so I won't be able to get to then. So it, it's, it is pretty high end, um, because, you know, the personal thing that I've had is a, is a new job. And so I, the reason I can't race is because I'm working so much. And the one benefit of working so much is that you have, I've been working a ton of overtime and I just basically told, uh, my fiance that, you know, I'm going to be working all this much and I'll put my regular paycheck to the things we need, but all my extra bonus stuff I want to spend on sim racing. So that's kind of what I've been able to do. And, I, and I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Wow. So you're not messing around. Uh, you got the, the sim labs, uh, chassis, you got the H E sprints. Now, why did you, let's talk about that for a second. Why'd you land on those pedals specifically? I've heard some very good things about them. Uh, they are a new product uh, put out by the Heiskenveld and, uh, why'd you pick those? So actually, uh, another guy on my team, uh, he bought them and I was just honestly, one of the biggest things that blew me away was the, the customer service was phenomenal. The, the, the story he had was basically, he bought his, his three pedal set and the brake broke like probably a month in something happened with the PCB board. And I think it, it got it heated up or something like that. And, and it busted and, uh, they wouldn't sell him the board. So they're just like, you know what, buddy, here's a whole new pedal. And he was like, do you want me to send the old one back? They're like, no, yours. You can use it for spare parts and stuff. So I was just really impressed. And they did that all within like three days. Boom, it was like shipped to him and it was expedited. And it was just phenomenal. So that was something where I went, you know what? That's a company that I want to support. And not to mention he loved the pedals and, and they do have a great name behind them. Uh, and, you know, the price point made enough sense. And uh, and I got lucky and someone posted up on one of the Facebook groups that I followed that, um Oh, there's a batch available. You can go ahead. And I was like, oh, whatever, I'll pull the trigger. So. Yeah. Very good choice. And then let's talk about the wheel choice. I mean, the, <laughs> the semi cube two pro, uh, that's the, they have three and that's this middle one. Uh, the ultimate is the bigger one. Uh, try, tell us about why, why that one. And I, I have to agree with your choice. I mean, that's a great, uh, a choice if you're trying to get the best, but not like totally overspend i mean that's kind of where that i see that one yeah the ultimate is a uh, <laughs> uh you really have to break the bank for that one and i mean none of the dds are, are are cheap especially if you live in canada like i found found that uh that's what really kind of bites you in canada is is the actual conversion of of money because i went through Derek spears design which is american um and it helped a little bit because you don't have to pay the massive duty fees for shipping from europe um, so if you're looking for an SC2 out there, definitely, and you're in North America, go through them. Um, but yeah, I chose them just because uh, I did have a Fanatec prior to this, uh, and I just ran into a lot of reliability options and it was basically between the, the Fanatec DD and the Simicube too. They're kind of the, um, I guess the big boys in the market today because of how new they are and, and current. Um, and yeah, that, that was basically it. I mean, 
it, the statistics of the wheel for themselves, I mean, they're very highly rated and pretty much everyone who has gotten one of the early batches has said they're phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I, I did a ton of research as much as I could with the amount of time I had because I didn't want to miss the September batch. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of pulled trigger last night after I sold all my Fanatec stuff and it, that really brought the cost down. So, Yeah, very good choice. I, um, that's a great wheel right now. Uh, definitely at the top of the list. Uh, now, uh, next question. You mentioned a team. Tell us about that. And then what do you guys are running? Is it league or what? Yeah, so uh, the the league is actually a uh, – sorry, the league. The team is uh, GTSL Esports. Um, we actually used to be a league on the uh, PlayStation 4. Um, and that's kind of where most – I shouldn't even say. How about half the team was the original core group of guys? And – um, funny enough, we all raced on uh, PlayStation together. We all used Project Cars and then Assetto Corsa and then Project Cars 2 and kind of built up a, a good core group of friends that raced together. Um, and then about six of us all at the same time last year were like, oh, you know what? I'm going to move to PC. And so everybody kind of migrated all at once, which was really great because we all had someone to race with. We, we all had people to troubleshoot with. Um, and so we moved over there. And then, you know, after... I, we got on iRacing for about a month. We were like, you know what, like, let's, let's form another team. Like, let's give it a shot. And so we just brought GTSL from, it used to be GT Sprint League. Uh, and then we kind of brought it over and just shortened it up to GTSL and then eSports. And, and that's kind of how the team was founded. Um, and it's just a really tight, really tight knit group of guys. Um, we like to poke fun. You, got, you do have to have, one of the requirements is to have a little bit of thick skin because we, uh, we do like to have a little bit of fun with each other um but we mostly run uh special events um that's kind of our big uh piece de resistance you know we do everything on a 24 hours sebring 12 hours mostly road um there are a couple guys that are starting to do the 4a into oval um but for the most part it, it, it's road um and we pretty much do like i said pretty much everything all the special events and then uh six hour ilms events we do the three hour vrs uh gt3 events um so our weekends are a lot more busy than our weekdays i guess Okay, very good. So, uh, with all those special events, t uh, try to tell us your most memorable iRacing moment. Most memorable iRacing moment. Um, I feel like it probably should be the, uh, some of the higher placed finishes that I've gotten in some of the special events. But I honestly think right now my 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 most memorable event in iRacing has probably been this i got to do the stint on the daytona 24 hours it was my first 24 hour race this year um and i got to do the stint from uh in the morning when the sun was coming up and i think that was probably my most memorable moment of just kind of there was that moment where i was sitting in the seat and I, i'm in vr and i'm watching the sun come up lap after lap and i'm where we were fighting for position after like 18 hours or something like that something crazy we had a crazy night stints battling the whole basically we battled the whole race for like eighth position um and it was just it was just surreal like I, it was it was one of those moments where i looked back and went i have been racing with garbage equipment on small screens with you know relatively bad, bad <laughs> simulators bad like, games arcadey style simulators for years and to be able to sit here watching the sun come up at Daytona 24 hours in iRacing was just kind of a, a really fun and surreal moment and just kind of 
it made you love it all over again. You made you love what you get to do all over again from a from an i racing from a e racing perspective. Right. Yeah, the whole night to day thing was uh, a neat thing that they brought this year with the twenty four hour races. Uh, I actually ran a shift uh, during one of those transitions, and it was kind of neat to go through that and uh, you know watch. Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to notice that the sun is setting, you know, as, as you're going lap after lap, but then all of a sudden you're like, wow, it's dark, you know, you just realize <laughs> it. Yeah, and, the, and then the, you start to see the brake glow too and everything like that, and the taillights start to brighten up a little bit. Oh, it's just phenomenal. So much yeah. fun. Yeah, they did a good job on that for sure. Uh, one thing I forgot to ask you uh, about the SimuCube 2 uh, you, Pro is the base that you mentioned, but what wheel rim are you going to do with it? Yeah, that's another really good question. Um, I've been kind of stuck on what I want uh, and more than that, what I want to spend um, because there, you know, there are so many, so many rims out there for direct drive wheels now and so many great options. Um, I've been looking at, uh, I think his name is Jacoby R or something like that. Does a lot of cool replica rims. Um, and then there's also, uh, I've been in contact with uh, Rosso Sim Racing, I, I believe it is. Um, and, and they do some really cool replicas as well. Um, but I'm not really sure hundred percent because I, I still need to kind of learn the, the mounting process as well for that. I know you can get the Q1R mounts and, and things of that equivalence, um, which are really solid options and pretty, pretty much compatible with everything on the market today. Um, but at the same time, again, it is another cost that's associated. So uh, there's so many kind of variables with buying the rim. I found that almost more of a, a more difficult selection than actually buying the wheelbase, right? Um, just because there's so there's very few options of wheelbase compared to there are rims from everyone. Another one's turn racing. I, I'm absolutely in love with the turn racing products. I could literally take any wheel off his shelf and fall in love. Um, but you know, it, yet again, it comes back to that that cost point as well, where I just feel like a lot of rims are are really highly priced and i find i'm not saying it's not worth it but i do feel like you know if i'm going to get multiple ones because i would like to i do a lot of rally stuff i like to do a lot of like uh, you know older older sports cars older formula cars um and for that i just i don't know i like to simulate the feeling of what the rim would actually feel like uh and so i do want a full rim as well as having an open wheel style rim right. um so you know buying two then it becomes a whole other issue of because you, know, you could easily take a thousand dollar or two thousand dollar cube control wheel and say, "Wow, this is amazing! I want that." But you know, it you can't get two of those, or at least I I certainly can't. I can't even get one. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. My understanding is got some kind of Bluetooth or uh, wireless uh, connection available, uh, so you don't have to have a wire if you use the right kind of wheel and that kind of thing. But yeah, there are so many choices. So that's why I asked. Yeah, I think Asher, I believe Asher is the only one, or oh, sorry, Asher and I, I believe Precision, Precision Sim Engineering are the two companies that do do the Bluetooth rims. I'm sure other people can because I believe it's just another board that you have to add, but don't quote me on that. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure they're going to start coming out in force now that actual um, you know, people are actually supporting it now. Um, I'm sure they're going to come out with more and more bases that will support it, but yeah, it, it just seems, and that Asher wheel is gorgeous. It just, yet again, it's still going to come down to price point because a lot of them are out of stock or only on for pre-order. So I haven't done uh, enough research on those ones to figure out if, that, if that'll if that make sense for me personally. Right. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jack Dolmage, and uh, telling us about your iRacing. And uh, sounds like you have a dream rig uh, you're working on. So uh, congratulations on that. Uh, looks like uh, Kevin Hash, you've joined us. Uh, welcome back to the show, man. I don't hear you. Sorry about that. I'm missing everything go. up here today. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry about being late. Had a couple things come up there. That's all right, man. Uh, Kevin, uh, our listeners, if you remember, Kevin was on our show maybe a couple months ago. Uh, but uh, he runs in the OSRA League uh, and won uh, the, recently the Daytona 250, which was sponsored by the iRacers Lounge. And so we thought we'd have you back to talk about that win a little bit, Kevin. Tell us uh, how that went down. Uh, it really took a whole lot of work for that one. That one, uh, you have some of the best of the best, especially at building super speedway setups for the a car now especially and uh i mean i could have done it without the groups or the group i was with and uh i gotta give a huge shout out to my buddy and uh co-set builder ray rittenauer we we probably had over i'd hate to know how much i know i had over 10 gigabytes of just data uh, files and everything from all of our practices all the practice races we'd done and it it was definitely it's definitely one of my most memorable wins, being how hard we had to fight for it. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that was a the Daytona 250 sponsored by Irisers Lounge, and uh, congratulations on the that's a that's a pretty good win. Uh, yeah. yeah, Kevin came away with a bunch of stage wins there and uh, some stage points, which got him some credits that we uh, gave out for the prizes. Wow. And part of the prize was also being on the podcast, so. That's why we brought Kevin on today. All right, so we got your name on some stories, so be ready, Kevin. All right, thanks, sir. All right, let's get into those stories next uh, with the news. Uh, Mason, tell us about World of Outlaws this week. Yeah, this week the World of Outlaws Late Model Series was at Lima Land. Uh, we, we had uh, Monday night, uh, they were at Lima Land for the second race of the season. Um, Blake Cannon picked up the win after a hard-fought battle with Alex Bergeron. Uh, Blake and Alex swapped the lead multiple times in the final laps of the feature, and but uh, Bergeron made a small mistake on the cushion, which let uh, Cannon capitalize and take the win. Unfortunately, Zach Leonardi, last year's champion, did not transfer into the feature, and last week's winner, Hayden Carbell, got spun from third in an early restart, so a tough race for him. Um, Man. couple links here that we have associated with it. Uh, we had our preview uh, from iRacing, which included a nice spotter's guide. I always love these spotter's guides because I don't watch religiously and I can actually tell then who is in what car. Um, the post-race article, we had a couple neat quotes here. Um, the, the leader, Blake Cannon, the winner, um, said about uh, Alex Bergeron, he said he kept me honest for the 50 lap feature. Uh, really felt like when we got going, I was a little faster, but Bergeron was a little better on the restarts. Nonetheless, man, I'm out of breath. What a race. And this is for a sim race, not a, not a real life race. It, it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the videos I saw, these guys are swapping back and forth with the slide job and, and uh, you know, duck back under and switch positions again every corner, you know, and uh, what a race. Uh it was good racing. Yeah, this is some of the best racing on our racing, I think. Um, Clint Blower thought so, too. He put up a tweet that said, Somehow, you've made it better than reality. This was in reference <laughs> to iRacing's uh, little video about Blake and Alex going back and forth. Well, if you remember in the recent build, they made a slight adjustment 
to how the cushion works and it you know they didn't really say what it was but it it just enough it looks like it's made a uh, it was a nice tweak obviously it works for these cars yeah, and a little wrap up here. The points standings as of this week are Blake Cannon in first with 154, Alex Bergeron in second with 135, and Kendall Tucker in third with 126. Next week they're at Knoxville. Okay. Go Alex. Uh, been uh, We had him on the show recently, and uh, he's obviously hot. Hasn't won yet, but he's right there. Uh, David, tell us about the Porsche Super Cup round six. Yeah, Jared Fischel picks up his first win with the Porsche Super Cup Series at Watkins Glen. Uh, the VRS Kona Sim Sport teammates Josh Rogers and Mitchell DeJong, they entered the weekend separated by just 28 championship points. Um, interestingly, uh, Rogers qualified sixth, but he had contact with Camille Frenchak and before the bus stop and the first lap of the sprint race. I, I know how that is to get contact in the first race, first lap. It can be frustrating. Uh, it sent him into the wall and relegated him to a 34th grid spot for the feature. Dijon qualified 22nd and couldn't take advantage of Roger's mishap. He finished 24th in the sprint. Uh, the In the duo, they rebounded slightly with Dijon coming home 14th and Rogers making a last lap pass to in the bus stop to come in 16th. We also have a couple of associated links, a review article, our race rewind video, and we also have a video of the pole lap by Sebastian Job. Wow. You know, before we talked to Josh Rogers a, a, a little bit ago, he had a huge points lead, you know, and I was thinking when I was looking at that point spread then, I mean, all he has to do is show up and run fairly decent and he can you know keep this big gap but he has completely lost that gap and now you know more bad luck for josh rogers uh i think i recall he him saying that he expected to run really well at watkins Glen as well well you can be good at a track and just have have somebody else ruin it for you for sure i was surprised that dijon qualified so poorly in 22nd Right, uh, you know, a good opportunity for Mitchell as well with uh, Rogers' problems, you know, uh, for him to try to have a good day and, and take advantage on the points, but it just didn't happen. That could come back to haunt him. That could be the that moment. That could be the season, yeah. Right there. Yeah, good good uh, to pinpoint that, Jack. Uh, that could be the moment. Uh, but, you know, Mitchell has had some other uh, mistakes as well. Uh, remember that one race where he was side-by-side -side with Josh for a very long time and and made an error and went off track, and I was afraid that might be the moment too. But in Canada, yeah, right. All right, uh, Greg, uh, we got big news for Rallycross. All right, so uh, iRacing has announced on June twenty seventh, the Thrustmaster is to become the title sponsor of the uh, Rallycross World Championship. Uh, the championship will be nine events. With 24 drivers and a prize of 25 grand, uh, Tim uh, Gorham, uh, marketing manager of Thrustmaster, uh, stated, "Iracing is where the pros spend their time. Sim racing. We have been looking to get involved as a sponsor for a long time now, and based on how exciting the Iracing Rallycross World Championship was last year, we quickly snapped up title sponsorship." of the 2019 season 
of rally cross or season. Rally cross is always one of the most exciting genres of sim racing. So we were stoked to watch the com- competi- uh, comp- uh, competition fight it out. The championship begins on October 5th uh, at Atlanta Long and can be found on the iRacing Esports Network. So that's a Saturday. So they're running on Saturdays. That's pretty cool. And October 5th through November 30th um, is the season. So that's interesting. Uh, Thrustmaster uh, put up the 25K, it looks like. Yeah, I'm glad they found a sponsor for that series. Yeah, I think that was the one that was lacking. Uh, if I recall, that was the only one lacking, right? What was, what was the amount last year's? Was it twenty-five grand too, or was it ten? I can't even keep up, man. Everything has gone up exponentially. <laughs> Esports, especially for sim racing, seems to definitely be taking off with the bit with the large amounts of money coming in. I mean, with all these different championships, I mean. I if I had certain days off, I'd be running this, even though I don't have a prayer, just for the fun of it, you know, just to be in the mix and whatever. But uh, it, there's so many different opportunities for everybody to try to get involved. Uh, get out there and do it, guys. Don't be shy. Well, and this just makes sense for a Thrustmaster as well, right? Because they've, you know, the past two years have released Thrustmaster uh, Rallycross or Rally Rim. They released the Handbrake and uh, Sequential Shifter, the big one that's pretty much aimed for drifting and rally. So this makes the most sense for Thrustmaster to get into. I'm surprised they didn't do it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Uh, Thrustmaster does great sim products, so uh, it's a good tie-in and good job. All right, I got the next topic. Uh, uh, beta UI, uh, you couldn't set up heat races. Uh, it was kind of broken. Uh, there was a topic in the forum again this week. Uh, and uh, iRacer Cole Borgstad ran into the issue while setting up a league race. There was no formatting for the heat races. Uh, we heard from iRacing staff member James Van Veen and Stephen Corapinos uh, chiming in, stating that there is a fix uh, in the works uh, before the 4th of July weekend. And then sure enough, we got a release on Tuesday uh, with some release notes about beta changes. So they did change the beta a little bit, and uh, it was to fix that particular issue. Um, they also fixed a thing where you could uh, filter by car classes and uh, something to do with the t- new Twitter feed is on the homepage of the uh, beta. So, All right, that's it there. Uh, Greg, uh, IMSA does another virtual lap. So once again, uh, I guess what we saw last week uh, on our podcast, we were showing uh, that they did Watkins Glen. Now they're doing uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park um, to get it ready for, uh, does it say when the race is? Um, this but, weekend. Uh, is it this weekend? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, once again, they're using the Porsche and they're showing it going around the track like i don't know it's really nice to see that they're uh um taking an interest in i racing to uh you know show it off i guess it's cheaper for them to do it this way too right it's a it's a good platform to to show it off and promote the product well mvc is doing the same thing it's a it's it is cheap uh and it's quality i you know it's definitely a part of the real life uh, the worlds are merging. We've talked about, you know, we talk about this every week. The worlds have definitely merged. Yep. Looks yeah, like they're and, doing it weekly, too. 
with uh, with AJ Allmendinger being on the NBC broadcast for the Watkins Glen race, it kind of makes sense that that IMSA would be going this direction. I think. Right. Now, also, uh, Kevin Bobbitt posted on his Twitter. Uh, anybody going to IMSA race this weekend at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park? Uh, stop by the MLT Motorsports paddock to say hi. And he posted a picture of the car. Which has a iRacing logo on it. Sponsorship. Yep, and I, I also uh, commented on IMSA's Twitter post about the lap, asking who's driving the lap, because I can't tell. So Did I'll, they I'll, answer? Not yet. I'm, I've been checking. That's pretty cool. Uh, they got the iRacing logo. It's not a big logo, but it is about the only one on the car. Size doesn't always matter, right, Mike? <laughs> All right, I got the next one. Uh, control your jumps. Okay, so there's a post in the forums about, uh, man, and the Pro 4 trucks and the Pro 2. Uh, I swear, if you hit a jump in these things, you have to pit for repair. It makes zero sense. Did a race, was leading, coming to the line to complete lap one, and I got a pit for repairs. And so that's what Lucas Cram put up in the forum, and... Some other people had were kind of agreeing with him about it. Um, some other people told him, you know what, you're over jumping on the big jump. Uh, then we finally did hear from uh, engineer Steve Reese, who works for iRacing. He did post up um, the fact, and he wrote, the fact that you can damage the truck by carrying too much speed and landing improperly is working as intended. And so he said, there is no problem. This is how it is supposed to work. And uh, he also agreed with Joshua, Joshua Gaiman, who said, um, in real life, if they throttle through that jump, it will break the truck in some way. The jump is literally there to make you slow down. And so, Jesse, you had that problem when we were running uh, with blowing up. Uh, my trick was to slam on the brake right at the top of the jump so you land on the front nose. And uh, how did that work for you? Yeah, no, that was, you nailed it when you gave me that advice. I learned it really quick. Before that, I kept uh, bottoming out the car, <coughs> excuse me, truck. And uh, yeah, you just, right as right as the incline starts at the jump, you just stab the brakes. And it, it honestly, it sets the car off to a good four-tire land, too. So that definitely helps. When I uh, qualified right before you gave me that advice, I had sent it off so hard that it uh, gave me a meatball when I came down. Yeah, if you slam it really hard, it will damage it, and it will... It'll initially slow you down, but then if you do it more than once, it usually breaks the engine. Uh, and then, kind of semi-related, uh, we had a forum post uh, by A.J. Nieben, who uh, put up, the motocross rider in me decided that the jump at the Pro 4 truck uh, need to be cleared. So there's a, there's a double uh, hump, so to speak. And, of course, if you know anything about motocross, you, you, if you get enough speed, you can jump it and go clear over to the next one. And so uh, he put up a video in the forums of him uh, trying to clear it, and he's in a sprint, wingless uh, sprint car and is able to hit it just perfectly, actually. Have you guys jumped anything? We got a nightly uh, video from Mike jumping everything. Well, that's correct. I've been running... Uh, the, these trucks at night and when the race is over i usually try to get a big big air so to speak what do you think of my big air greg uh, some of them have been pretty good usually i see them in the morning because you were eight you're usually up late doing it but uh 
I'm guessing so obviously when you're doing it because I'm not uh, I haven't raced them very much but uh, you're going across the track and finding the biggest jump area to go off of yeah I'm going sideways uh, across the track you know it's not on the track uh, and you can kind of go up a a steeper incline to get uh, more height and uh, I've been trying to see how high I can get you need them to uh, add the monster trucks in, and then you can do monster truck stuff. There was the one time after the race, me and Mike were trying to do 360s off of that big jump he was talking about. And yep. after about a 180, it just almost freezes up. Just the physics take over. Yeah, we can do a 180, though. And that's a blast to try to spin that thing in the air. That darn gravity. <laughs> well, you know, I I had a win last night, or the night before in the in the Pro 4, and I also posted a video, a picture of the truck up in the air, and I put, you know, it's another dimension to uh, racing. And it really is because uh, when we're racing on road and oval, you're, you're on the ground. You're not leaving the ground. But with this truck, you have to manage the time you're in the air, too. And actually, it's, it's the less time you're in the air, it, the better in these trucks. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Mason, a Dan Lisa alternative. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with Dan Lisa, Dan Lisa is used as a league scoring uh, system. You, it's The website is danlisa.com slash scoring. And, uh, and you can type in your driver name, your ID, your email, all that, and, and uh, look at leagues and their scoring because it's not always easy on iRacing. Um, but there's an alternative now that leagues could use um, put up in the forums by Mark Arthur. And uh, it's the forum post, Daily Saw Alternatives, available here. And it's just an Excel file um, that he has downloaded and or has uploaded to the, the forums for you to, to download. And uh, it can possibly do heat races and playoff options, provisional stuff like that. He's looking to add those options in. Um, I don't think Dan Lisa does that, but I'm not 100% familiar with that. Uh, Kevin, do you know what Jeff uses for the Online Sim Racing Association? Uh, yeah, he uses uh, Dan Lisa. He has to just go through and add all the playoff stuff and all the stages uh, individually. So he can go through and he uploads the results and then he has to go through and edit them and reapply whatever uh, stage points, any other bonuses that Dan Lisa itself doesn't support. I think the main thing is now now that there's the stage racing and stuff, there is no... Uh, there is no ability to do that other than having to put it as like a manual entry on the bottom. Ah, so this this Excel sheet might help him if they get it all the form formulas figured out, right? Uh, definitely. Cool. So it automates that stuff with uh, fancy Excel uh, formulas and whatnot. Pretty cool. Uh, sure. I I figured somebody would come up with that. And then I thought, uh, yeah, the Dan Lisa is missing something since the latest build, and so. I think the admins, like you said, are having to do a lot of manual entry. Yeah, so check it out. Okay. David, uh, drive for diversity. This was pretty neat, and we just uh, found out about it literally right after being up in St. Louis at Gateway just uh, last weekend. Uh, NASCAR and Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway are partnering with Jackie Joyner Kersey Foundation to launch the iRacing League that... Uh, or announced an iRacing league that commenced last week in East St. Louis. The center is located less than four miles from the track, and it provides after-school, summer, and academic programming for youth in underserved communities. Uh, NASCAR provided iRacing rigs at the center, as well as the required equipment 
and software for the iRacing and NASCAR Heat 3. Um, we have a quote here from from the Worldwide, Worldwide Technology Company. Our intent is to build a STEM development structure for the kids that can be duplicated and used across the country in areas where there are similar opportunities. Uh, the center consists of about 150 children from ages 6 to 14, and they all have access to the simulators. The iRacing League runs from June to August and is divided into three age groups. The top three in each group will receive a trophy and be recognized at the NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East Race at Gateway on August 24th. It's just another wonderful example of how the simulators is kind of making um, just racing more affordable to the masses. Yeah, and even NASCAR is using it, you know, when they go out in the community as a tool, you know. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think this is a great thing to, to get kids involved. I love it. What a better way to grow the NASCAR fan base, which is what they so desperately need. And, uh, you know, what better way to do it? Get the kids uh, with the wheel in their hand. Yeah. I listen, you know, I listen a lot on not, well, not morning, both Morning Drive and Dave Moody's show in the afternoons. And he'll talk about how in the old days, one of the things that kind of helped build racing was that you had your corner shop everywhere. And those, those have kind of gone away with the, with the way times have changed. Uh, so, but this is definitely a good way to bring the generation. I mean, even I'm, I guess I'm one of the older folks, but I I started in the get. I was the youngest or the oldest group that kind of grew up with games, and now, you know, you see two year olds that can can work an iPhone. Yep. Yeah, back when I, my day, show cars. They had to haul a show car to town, and they'd put it in front of a auto parts store, and you'd go over there and pick up a hero card and hope it was signed. You know. Um, and that's how you got exposed to stuff like that. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Jesse, a peer pressure on Steve Myers. Yeah, Junior has tweeted at Steve and iRacing that he wants his dad's 1980 Monte Carlo to be scanned. Uh, yeah. This is one of many cars that he's accrued lately, it looks like. And uh, yeah, it's a, as, as we all know, the Wrangler is a very famous paint. I think uh, it goes along the same lines of basically in this post they want to ask there's a poll about whether or not you think they should actually scan it and bring it in. I think this would get more popular uh, feedback than going with the old school cup car we talked about a few weeks ago. And iRacing agrees at 67%. They want to see it get scanned. Wow, 67% out of, in 523 votes. Uh, that sounds like enough revenue to cover the trip to Charlotte to do the scan. Oh, you know, Junior would go ahead and uh, have his guy trailer it wherever they needed it. Well, yeah, uh, you, you're right. Junior would probably pay for it, right? What uh, What do you guys think of that? Would you run a series that would have, like, say there was a couple of these, like different old cars in the same era? I would buy this. I voted yes on this poll um, because... These these cars are the bomb. They're, look how they're not stuck to the ground. They're big, you know, big old boat cars, and they got these huge engines in them. You know, it's amazing. Replace the, setup, the carb cup. The setup side of me really, really wants to see that. I would just about pre-order it just to see what all I could go through and tinker with to make it see how crazy you could get one of these to drive. There's no downforce either, so it's all mechanical. Right, it's all about setup. Mechanical grip. I think uh, 
I can hear Bobby uh, Jonas right now saying that, uh, yeah, but they're going to probably... I'm thinking those would be bias-plied tires, so they'd have to have a different tire model. Ah, uh, I don't know. Good point. Wouldn't it but run... Go ahead, David. Uh, the thing, too... Sorry, it's Jack. The thing, too, is that with, with you know, AI eventually coming, stuff like this, I think, could be a, a huge moneymaker and have a lot of use. I mean, I don't really care about the AI coming myself, but a lot of people whether they're going to race this online or have a series with it or not, iRacing can make sales just for the fact that people might want to, you know, do their own races and do their own little AI seasons and try to recreate a 1980s season right. kind of thing. And then I mean, paint each car, right? <laughs> yeah. You're thinking like uh, when people use, you know, when you have NASCAR 2003 and you'd buy the, or you'd have the mods, right? You're thinking of, you can get the old car mods, you can get new paint job mods. Yeah, or, so or have, even just... Yeah, or even just like Project Cars 2 or, or R Factor or anything like that where people go in and they, you know, they'll have AI. So they'll, you know, like R Factor 2, I used to take GT cars and LMP2 cars and LMP1 cars, all the mods, and then run a little mini, you know, 2.4 hours of Le Mans, just stuff like that. People might want to do that, you know, I'll do the 500, I'll do the Daytona 500 with a 1980 Monte Carlo, you know, and just a full field of that and pretend it's the 1980s again. You know, a lot, I think a lot of people with a lot of race car nostalgia, would love something like that. I would do it. Get it scanned. Let's buy it. Let's do it. We'll buy it. Take my money. I'm going to be contrarian. How many of the other classic cars have done really well on iRacing? Good point. And that's how long would that enthusiasm last? You know. That's why I'm saying AI might change stuff like that. It might change right. how enthusiastic people and people might get in it on and, and race against the AI and go, wow, this car is so much fun. I'm going to race the official series with this in it now too as well because I tried it out and now I'm comfortable with it racing against the AI where there's no pressure on me to perform. You know, now I want to race it online as well. I think, Jack, you have a good point. I mean, I, the I, AI thing is going to change a, a, a lot of people's perspective of how to iRace. Uh, they're going to start doing the AI first to see if they're good and then go to official and whatnot, uh, just like you said, uh, when they can't do that today. So I think it's going to change a lot. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Mason, the fat iRacing curse. Yeah, the iRacing curse of when they scan a new track and then it changes the next year. We got a Twitter post from Charlotte uh, saying that they are throwing a curve at the drivers when the Bank of America Roval returns September 27th, 29th. They have a new backstretch chicane complete with new turtles. Uh, this one extends the actual outside wall, it looks like. I've been trying to figure this out, but it looks like the entire straightaway wall is being moved out to accommodate a new chicane that takes a right turn first instead of a left turn. So, obviously, I don't know if iRacing is going to get out there to scan it or not. I hope they do. It would be really cool. I'm sure the drivers will appreciate it. Um, but it literally looks like they took the old chicane and just flipped it to go outside of the wall. It's much uh, harder or uh, the turn. It's not – you have to slow down a lot more than you did before. Okay, so if you remember the old chicane on the back, you could fly through there. You just barely had to lift the throttle. Uh, and, and to kind of breathe it. Now, you're going to be downshifting, going down at least a couple gears to get through this thing. They made a passing point. Like at, uh, It's probably a lot slower than the one at Daytona, but at least it's a, it's a passing point 
bus stop type thing right now that you can outbreak somebody. Yeah, Mason, look at the dotted lines. That's the old track. Oh, yeah, I see that now. Yeah, and so the new track, it just it's the same path as the old one, but it's just goes in sharper into the infield so it's a much uh, you know sharper corner you guys think this will actually promote passing because because my thing is that when you're coming in that that first corner almost looks like a kink which is going to be pretty difficult to line yourself up and get the inside line for the actual next tight corner and single file i'm thinking if you don't create the pass the guy that's trying to make the pass is going to get clipped in the corner or force somebody off into the turtle that's the right you know, single file, right? You almost have to complete the pass going, you know, you really have to outbreak somebody going in there. I hope that runoff too isn't just clear where they can kind of, you know, try to defend as hard as they can. And then if they get pushed off, they can just take the escape road, pop out the other side and go, oh, well, we're all even. Because that, that's something that drives me nuts about a lot of tracks now. They need to do the, uh, what it actually, the penalties actually is. If it goes into that area, you have to come to a complete stop. They need to figure that out. Or more turtles. <laughs> well, yeah, you could put that whole thing as a turtle, and as soon as you hit <laughs> it, you're done. <laughs> yeah, and if you look carefully uh, where the turtles are, you could see a blue wall there. They actually have wall on the inner part of that loop, it looks like. Uh, but you can drive through if you completely miss it, but it, there is a wall there. Now, obviously... I didn't, I didn't see anything here. Is the construction on the way of, of them doing it, or is it already done? Uh, Charlotte had a post on their Facebook page, I think, last week, like right after they announced it. They just had started breaking ground on it. So, yeah, they are currently de destructing part of the wall. I think it's going toward the infield, if I'm correct. So I think they've tore down parts of the wall through there, and they've got to move everything over. I wonder how it's going to affect oh. the oval track as well via doing that. So when iRacing comes to Charlotte to scan the Dale Earnhardt car, they can redo the Charlotte track, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see that now. It's Saving going money, in. Eh, Mike? Yeah, it's yeah. going in. It looks like they had the reason that they had to, you know, the only way that they could make this uh, the way that they did is they had to make that initial part sharp because the tunnel's right there coming out of it. If you look at that one image... Uh, oh, it has a tunnel, yeah. It's got the tunnel, so they have to make sure it goes over it. But, you know, kudos to, uh, is it Bruton Smith that owns that track? Yeah. You know, for, you know, spending the money. Like, he's altered this track a bunch of times, and he keeps putting money into it. And, and last year was such a good race, too, at the Roval. I'm, I'm surprised they're changing the track, to be, to be honest. But... I think they're worried that someone's going to get hurt on those walls from what happened. I know they had a quick solution, but I think they were worried that there was going to be more of those aggressive hits on that inside wall. Like Bubba Wallace during practice went flying through there and slammed into it. Yeah, and basically almost flipped the car. Right. Yeah, they were going through there really quick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, NASCAR did not like uh, Bubba's wreck at all. Yeah, so maybe that's why they changed it. All right, we have a couple of uh, quick topics. Greg, a uh, Kokomo timing loop. I kind of wish uh, uh, Will was here just to ask him if he's noticed this in this track, but uh, Kokomo is having a problem. Uh, when is it when the caution comes out, the bottom line is not being registered uh, and scored. So um, 
they've noted this uh, as a problem. Uh, Cody Down, uh, Downard has uh, posted about this, and Nick uh, Leap has uh, taken it. Staff or the staff member member has uh, is started looking into it with uh, the art team, I guess. So maybe there'll be a fix for it coming up. Yeah, there's pictures to go in the post that show the car on the inside is well above ahead of the car on the outside, and but the caution will score the car on the outside all the time, every time. Uh, so yeah, something's broke. That's got to be fun to try and find in code. All right, well, they're working on it. And then, Jesse, uh, Sim Racers for Mental Health Charity Event. Yes, they have a tweet up that they're going to be hosting a charity event at Daytona, the fixed setup cup car. No entry fee. It'll be Saturday, July 13th. Time has not been announced yet. And one fast repair with 100% fuel. Okay. Get involved, guys. Help out uh, with the charity event. Next up, uh, Mason, uh, it was a great day at GoPro Motorplex. Yeah, this is a fun topic. Um, Logan Clampett posted up a, a tweet of him and a bunch of other fellow Peak drivers and Peak team members uh, running around the GoPro Motorplex. Um, it was Peak drivers Logan Clampett, Jimmy Mullis, uh, Chase Cabre, who is in the World of Outlaws, uh, Michael Conti, Ben Nelson, Michael Garigula, and Casey Kerwin all showed up, um, along with, I believe, Brandon Hastings was there, and a couple other guys whose names I didn't quite recognize, um, but I'm sure they're, they're involved with the Peak series, at least in some aspect. Um, they're running the carts around the GoPro Motorplex in Mooresville, North Carolina, and uh, we got a second link here. Um, it's a video from a GoPro cam of, uh, I believe it's Nick Ottinger trying to uh, chase down, I'm not sure if it's Jimmy Mullis or, or one of the other guys, but they run over the orange cone, Mario Kart style, just throwing it out back there. <laughs> That's perfect. He grabs it off the front bumper and throws it at the people behind him. That that takes some skill right there. Now, do any of you guys, do any of you guys use GoPros for anything? Uh, I have a GoPro, and I really enjoy using that. Um, with anything that I'm doing sports-wise, have you guys used them for stuff? Ah, uh, no, I haven't. Just racing videos for the most part. I've been looking at getting one for uh, different stuff, like a couple of the cars I work on at a drag strip on Saturdays, possibly using them to see how much exactly from the body the car moves. But I have yet to I have yet to do it. I haven't got the holder that I want for it. Greg, why aren't you using the GoPro to take a picture of your spotlights? Uh, I will be have it tomorrow night to uh, show a video for next week for uh, possibly reviewing the spotlight stuff because Daytona is a perfect uh, track to uh, show that program or that uh, program and the product on. One reply on this uh, picture is kind of interesting. It says. There is so much eye rating in this one picture because it's got all these peak guys in the one picture. Oh, yeah, for sure. And GoPro is actually a sponsor of a driver in the peak series. I'm not sure which one, um, but but that's pretty cool to, that they got to all go down there. Yeah, meeting up in uh, person. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Greg, uh, who's playing iRacing's Skip Barber Mustang series? So Lime Rock posted... Uh on their Twitter account, uh, who's playing the Skip, like you said there in the title, who's playing the iRacing Skip Barber Mustang Series? Uh, prizes are including a Lime Rock uh, Park race ticket, 
and a Skip Barber Racing School experience. So um, I know we talked. Was it last week we talked about this? But uh, who's uh, who's going to run this? Is there anybody from the team going to run this? I know David. I think you said you were interested, right? I tried it a couple times, and I just don't drive that car very well. Yeah, so uh, get out there and get involved. Yeah, they're just trying to drum up interest. Uh. It's an odd, uh, that Mustang's an odd car to drive around because it's one of the original cars, right? Yeah, and it's more of a production kind of car than a race car, right? That makes it a little different. But, uh, yeah, there's prizes to be won. Like I said, there's so many prizes right now in iRacing. I mean, just pick your pick which one and go for it. All right, David, uh, Daytona Netcode. Yeah, uh, it kind of bit me today. Bit me? Uh, well, bit me last night. Yeah, I saw your post. I was I was uh, possibly on my way to my first uh, NIS win today, and uh, I had. We'll talk more about that later. But an iRacing member started a thread on uh, Daytona Wreck entitled "Your Netcode is Garbage," where he shows a wreck caused by Netcode. There are a few additional iRacers who pointed out that it's actually impressive that going 200 miles. Per now, per hour, ah, I can't. Sorry, I'm terrible at speaking today. Uh, that going 200 miles per hour, there isn't more net code considering the time traveled in one second and how close you can run when there's a delay but uh, between 300 or 33 and 400 milliseconds, depending on the location of the server. And we've all had the net codes, yeah. It hit me and Mason. We we both started in the front on a with three laps to go today, and uh, net code popped. Uh, ended the race for the entire front. Yeah, and in this in this video, it's uh, cars at Daytona side by side, the Cup car, and the front two cars on the top lane uh, both get turned at the same exact moment by the car on the inside moving up an inch. When there's clearly like a foot and a half gap between these two lanes. Yeah. So that's what's so hard to stomach is how far apart you think you are but you're really not that far apart. They were more than 18 inches apart. They were a good two, maybe three feet apart when the net code happened. Now, I, I could be wrong here, but didn't they say when the damage model comes out that some of this net code stuff will oh, get yeah. tighter? So that it's not going to be, it, it's going to be closer to the car. Like obviously net code still has to deal with like you're saying that the, the signal getting to iRacing and back with all the cars close together, but with all the spheres that are the, they're running, they're working with sharp edges on the cars right now. When they start going to the polygons with right. the damage model, it won't be as aggressive. So maybe some of maybe the Daytona draft package with the new cars is, is a little bit less forgiving than it used to be. I don't know. It just seems really bad this time. Uh, this week, uh, last night I was in NI uh, open, f uh, fixed, a fixed. I'm sorry, and I was running fourth on lap three, and it was the uh, same situation. Uh, somebody went three wide. Uh, we were probably 18 inches apart, and it net coded, and we weren't even. They weren't even close, and it just took out the entire field, you know. And I gave up a hundred I rating. It was very frustrating. Yeah, because sometimes you can come and you can almost like turn the guy, like actually touch his tire. And it doesn't net coat. But then you're running side by side like that, and it spins everybody. Yeah, the new damage model should fix this stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it on our A car for sure. Hashtag soon. <laughs> okay, uh, Jesse, iRacing top 10 highlights. 
Yes, we have the June 2019 video from iRacing. And uh, one of the big ones to look at right off the get-go, uh, number 10, you got the Pro 2 truck, which me and Mike uh, know very well. It's a next impossible to drive. Some guy figured out a way how to leapfrog up and over a guy off the big jump. Never even hit him, just goes right over the back, lands right in front of him. No issue at all. We can't even get around there a whole lap. Uh, another cool one on nine road racers in the uh, team and the guests we have today. Uh, some pretty good passing in, uh, I want to say it's the LMP1, but I apologize. I'm not a road guy if that's not what that is. It was. Okay, good. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of close finishes and a couple of huge saves in the cup car. Me and Mason were watching earlier. I don't know how they saved it through the grass, up onto the track. As always, they do so good in here with these videos. But the cool thing, I think, is there's literally pretty much every discipline has a really good clip or two in this video. Or, yeah, in this whole video. Yeah, they got the Pro 4 trucks, uh, which yeah. I was very uh, happy about. Uh, a side-by-side -side finish uh, to the checker uh, in the Pro 2 trucks, which is pretty rare. Uh, once you get through the first lap or so, people spread out, and that's pretty much how you finish. Yeah, pretty good video. Uh, all right, we're running out of time, so we're going to skip to hardware software. David, tell us about a new wheel, the R300. All right, sorry, you caught me a little off guard, but here we go. All right, so there's a podium steering wheel R300. It's a new podium steering wheel that is high-end, multi-purpose wheel. The product combines the podium wheel rim, R300, podium hub, and podium advanced paddle module, and a Cloud Sport adjustable clutch plaque. And actually, we, we looked at this one last week and just didn't get to it. It's basically kind of almost an oval version of the podium wheel, and it has the new uh, advanced po uh, pedal module, which I just bought myself, and I'm pretty happy with it getting it figured out so far. Pretty nice-looking rim. Yeah, and I found this one, David, whenever I was talking to you, you were trying to de you describe what the, the advanced paddle module was, and I was looking it up, and I just saw this wheel on the Fanatec's website. So, like, I don't know, we didn't hear anything about it. They didn't promote it very well, I guess. Yeah, this hasn't been promoted at all. But it looks so, sharp. basically, that's their normal uh, flat-bottom rim on their new podium hardware uh, attachments right so i don't know i i like it it's kind of it's just cool. overpriced for a rim it's overpriced for a rim especially since the other rims that they offer are well, nearly as expensive some of the expenses in that advanced uh, pedal module because it, it alone is 170 bucks but i've decided I, I bought it and it's worth it uh you get the analog clutches as well as uh two triggers so i can actually like it's really handy in my lmp1 now because i can boost i i I use the upper left hand finger to boost while i'm up shifting with my right hand and it's and then it's it's quite a bit handy having those extra keys up there on the on in front of the wheel instead of having to do everything with your thumbs i love the co the color it's got gold on it it's like black and gold so greg i asked you did i make a mistake in buying the wheel i bought when uh this one came out you know, and is this one a better wheel? And I think you told me no. Well, what you said you bought the, the I got hub, the universal right? hub for and 300 and then an oval rim for 100. No, that's pretty much the best way you can go for the oval part of it. I have basically that rim that's on this thing. I have that rim with the universal hub. 
um, but mine just has the Forza stitching on the bottom of it. But it's basically the same generic flat bottom. It's a great rim. They just uh, they just changed it into a gold stitching and the gold top part there. But good rim. I, I, it's a awesome uh, oval rim. Uh, it's on pre-order, guys. Available September 30th. All right, check that out. Uh, Jesse, uh, do-it-yourself AMG wheel. Yes, 3drap.com, and that is 3DRAP, no W. Did a uh, GT3 wheel for Logitech Thrustmaster and OSW. And there's links also on the uh, iRacing page where there's different people with their uh, completed DIY projects from that kit. And they're they're pretty slick looking. They also wow. have, yeah, there's they're some pretty, very creative ways of going about doing that seen a couple of them that don't even have I guess you would refer to it as handles on the end of it where they're they almost just slide their four fingers into two slots on the side and their thumbs just point towards the sky kind of a weird idea I never saw something like that but I could see that working for somebody like with some sort of a, a physical handicap or something that'd be a cool option for them um, and then also there's a third link at the bottom here with uh, all the different uh, DIY you can do the brake um, upgrade on the Logitech brakes uh, shift with the uh, sequential uh, adapter, uh, the universal hub adapter. They just have they have it all. Anything you can think of, all on one site. So this this site they have they do three D printing of all these products, basically is what it is. And there's all these different, yeah, you know, like you said, uh, little uh, components that you can get. Uh, like the G27 throttle pedal mod, brake pedal mod. And different different uh, strengths, too. I've only ever seen the mod. I've never seen them with different options, kind of like the brake performance kit from Fnatic. Starting to become a big market for just everything, eh? And 3D printing's really helping all that. Yeah. This very much interests me as someone who's kind of in the market to either buy a wheel or... Uh, a couple guys on my team have built wheels, and it's definitely intrigued me because you can save a lot of money and get a better product. But yeah, this is definitely something interesting that I'm going to look at. Yeah, they have the steering wheel kit you can buy. You choose what material you want, what kind of handle, a coating you want on the handle, leather stitching, the color of the stitching, and what kind of, do you want an adapter for Logitech, Thrustmaster, or OSW? And you can get that done. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Greg, Swedish motion rig. Yeah, so uh, Swedish uh, sim rig um, that they've created here. It's uh, I'm showing the video here up, but uh, it's basically is it on eighty twenty? Um, Looks like an eighty twenty D box. D box, yeah. And then, but it's a four times sim rig SR one linear linear actuator. Uh, it's got a Simrig SR1 ECU, uh, it's a 500 watt supply for it. Um, it's got all the cables and stuff controls. Um, it's $2,900 US. Um, so it looks, it says, uh, it's basically a profile that you need, uh, a four piece aluminum profile to attach to is what you kind of need, right? For it. So is it basically an adapter or something that you can add to any kind of rim? Yeah, I think the 2900 doesn't include the actual rig. It's just 
the motion part. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it. Yeah, if you click on the products page, you can see a picture of what the actual item looks like. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like it got like that plunger kind of foot, and it looks almost like a butt kicker turned on its side, that that moves you up and down like that. Oh, it's kind of so you basically pinch it between rails, and it the rails yeah. sit on it, and then you you know mount it to it, and then it just moves whatever your cockpit is. So preferably they want an eighty twenty rig. Um, for it to sit on, but it looks like you might be able to use it with some other stuff. Pretty cool. I haven't heard of this website. It's simrig.se. Yeah, it's a Swedish company. All right. It's, it's interesting that they're obviously in U.S. dollars. 2900 U.S. dollars for 3DOF. That's a pretty good price, actually, for 3DOF. I may have converted that, Greg. <laughs> oh, okay, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, what does it say here? 26,900 SEK. So that's whatever their dollar is over there. Do they not go with euros in Sweden? I don't know. That's not euros. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Jesse, I schedule. Yes, uh, Mason found us a uh, great app uh, posted on the forum, and this guy is looking for some testers, the iOS version of iSchedule. Uh, the Android version is already out with a $2.49 price tag on it. But it uh, on the iOS side, which I am using and testing, is uh, very much in the infant stages. Uh, you can look up upcoming races as far as how many, how many minutes you have until the next, uh, next official session, uh, how many people are in that room, whether or not it's even worth firing up the computer and going and uh, registering for. Um, you can also look at uh, some of your results, stuff like that. Um, the league part is still uh, in the uh, trial, or I mean, excuse me, in the uh, development stages. Uh, but if you're uh, on the uh, testing app idea, then go ahead and hop on the uh, forums there. And he's uh, looking for more testers. Anybody on the team or any of you guys using the uh, Android version? And that's the only thing that would interest me in it would be if uh, I could actually register for a race with it. Yeah, that would be a good feature. Um, it's nice to be able to like pull up the schedule. At least that's what I think um, of a series. Like if I want to try a new series and I'm under caution in my Daytona race for the 18th time, you know, I could pull that up real quick and see what time my race is going to start. Yeah, that don't work so well in VR. Yeah, good point. Uh, I didn't know about this app. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh... Like you said, if you could register for the race, that might be a little bit uh, nicer. But uh, if you can look up how many people are registered and stuff, that's a, kind of a neat feature. Yeah, it has that part. The forums would be kind of cool, too. They really need to get that. That's what the next thing is, a proper way of going through the forums, don't they? they re yeah, we talked about new forums, but we kind of lost steam. We haven't heard about them in a while. But, yeah, but I imagine the new forums would be mobile friendly, so to speak. Yeah, but check it out. Hop on the the tester bandwagon if you have an iPhone. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, GPU arms race. Yeah, so this week on Sunday, we had AMD release info about their um, 7NM 
Navi based RX 5700 GPU and the RX 5700 XT GPU. Um, the 5700 runs 379 and the 5700 XT runs for $449. Um, and they will both launch this Saturday, July 7th. Um, they're both 8 gigabyte cards with base clocks of 1465 and 1605 megahertz respectively. And they still have uh, two to three more cards to release. Um, but in response to that, we had NVIDIA coming out with their new series of cards called Super. So the 2060 Super, the 2070 Super, and the 2080 Super. Um, wow. Yeah. So big, big news on the GPU front this week. Um, NVIDIA said it would launch its uh, 2060 Super and Siri, 2060 Super and 2070 Super on the 9th. So that's five days from now. And uh, the 2080 Super on the 23rd. Uh, the 2080 Super, which NVIDIA says is supposedly faster than its current top-of-the-line Titan XP chipset, um, will retail for $699. In case you're wondering, the Titan XP currently runs in the $2,500 ballpark range. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's huge. I'm sure there's other advantages to the XP than, that the Super can't do, but um, still, that's a huge thing. Um like I was saying, the prices are there for the, the 2070 and the 2060 Super. Um, the big difference between AMD and NVIDIA right now is that NVIDIA has the ray, ray tracing technology and deep learning super sampling where the AI can boost uh, performance during graphically intense workloads. Um, NVIDIA has this and AMD doesn't quite yet, but not all games use it yet. Like iRacing certainly doesn't use it yet. So... Is it worth it? That's up to you. Is 15, uh, 15 gigabytes of memory, is that the highest memory of any of the cards out there? That's a lot. I know the, the highest I usually see is 11, so probably 15, 16 is probably. The 2080 Super, man, for 700 bucks, that is now the card to get, I think. And and so what happens to the previous models? I, I, I'm kind of surprised these come out so quickly. They're only not even a year since they released the, the last 2080-2070s. Why is it so cheap? Is it just because there's going to be a flood of them on the market? They're just trying to steal AMD's thunder, I think. I think that's the whole point of these super cards is just because AMD's got leaked and they're really inexpensive. So I think NVIDIA had to have a, some sort of answer to that. Otherwise, everybody who's building their new computers, people are just going to start flooding with AMD cards. And the more market leeway that NVIDIA gives AMD, because basically AMD is always the underdog, right? But people are so impressed by them every time. I feel like NVIDIA is kind of realizing that and going, okay, we can't let them have any more of our market share because people are just going to keep, they're going to keep nibbling away at it more and more, on my opinion, at least. Right. And there was a video with comparisons, uh, Jesse, about the the super versus the uh, older counterpart. And it looks like it's 15% better in most cases. Yeah, it uh, overall, they, they go through, you know, roughly 8, 10, 12 games. And uh, average 3 out of 4 games, the 2080 super takes the AMD. But there is 2 or 3 games that the... AMD has a sliver advantage, and we're talking four or five frames, uh, but it does it does win out on a couple of games. That was comparing the 2070 Super 
to oh, AMD's right. current top card. So it's not even NVIDIA's top card in the super category. It's the 2070 Super versus the uh, 5700 XT. Yeah, so the 2070 Super beats a 1080 Ti. Yeah, that too. That too. It's it's equal to or comparable on most games, like within three or four frames per second. So a 2070 Super uh, is uh, 500 super bucks. It's 500 bucks, and that's right where you really want with iRacing right now, if you're looking into it. And you know, 1080 Ti is the best running one for it for now, right? Except for all the new cards. Just yeah. glad I waited a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would wait. Honestly, like if you if you want to buy a GPU, looking in that $500 range, the 2070 Super is probably the way to go. But I think the arms race is going to create lower and lower prices with faster and faster cards. So I would definitely look out for those good deals. And then there'll be people who sell last year's models to get this year's models, and those will be flooding the market too. Now you wonder how many 1080 Ti's are on the market. Right. I'm sending Jesse everyone I see. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, unfortunately am around the corner from some GPU issues, so that 2070 probably where I'm at. From the 580, it's such a big jump. I just don't see any need to go another 200 for the 2080 at this point. All right. Lo- go ahead, go no, ahead Greg. Go. I was just going to say, just keep just keep checking all the specs and stuff and just keep refreshing all these cards coming out and just look at them as much as you can until the day that you need to get one. And as they come out this week, there'll be more benchmarks, I'm assuming, as well. Yeah, you know, the forum, somebody will get, buy them in iRacing, and they'll post up reviews, and we'll cover those as well. Let's keep moving. Uh, one more before we go to results. Uh, Greg, Fanatec Rensport V2 cockpit. I had no idea they had cockpits. They've had a cockpit for a while. I don't know if they, it was a V, like the first version of it, but uh, so... It, it looks like they've got pre-orders for what, uh, the end of this month. Um, it's becoming available. Um, it's a nice al- uh, aluminum cockpit. I think it's a, that was what it's made out of. Um, but it's it's kind of more of your traditional um, pipe. Or it's more it's it's a, it's your it's a closed-in frame on the side, so you kind of feel like you're maybe you're in something more each time. Um, but it's got adjustable pedal area. It's got adjustable. Um, steering wheel and i'm guessing the shifter can be put on either side uh it's got mounts for the monitors to go on it um so you know it's a pretty nice uh setup there uh it does say that it's compatible with all fanatic products obviously and logitech uh, thrustmaster wheelbases pedals and shifters um seat and monitor stand you have to purchase for it so just oh the be aware seat is of that. part of it no, so you will have to find your own seat. So this retails for one a thousand dollars American. If you take a look at the picture there that they have, like looking at the BMW rim picture, look at the pedals. They didn't even have the gas pedal on straight. <laughs> <laughs> it's crooked. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the Obato, just the, the you know it's metal black pipe kind of look, but a little sleeker. How do you guys feel about an enclosed rig? I'm just looking down at mine thinking, I don't know that I would like that idea. The, the one advantage to it is depending on how, I don't know, Mason, your uh, 80-20, does the bar for your wheel, it obviously doesn't, They don't. It, it's a bar that comes up 
from the sides and around to put to mount the uh, base onto. Well, I have the deck, so it's go flat flat across. Okay, but... so it's kind of like this one. It's a deck sitting on, right? Yeah, yeah. I just don't have that extra fancy like curved down tubing on the front. So basically, like for my mine, it's my legs are split by a, the post that holds the yeah. base on for my play seat rim. Same. It, it's just your different types of, you know, I can I got flexibility to go out outwards because the poles in the center to you know put your legs around where that is you're basically feel like you're sitting between consoles like you got feel like a door on one side and then you got your in your car on your console for the dash yeah that's kind of how mine is it's got a kind of enclosed feel but it's always got they've always had this unique look oh sorry david the very reason i didn't go with play seat was uh i I work with uh, Mark, and for him, I don't know if it would have been as big of a deal for me being shorter, but for him, he can't left foot break because of that post in the middle. Yeah, I don't think I'd like the post in the middle. Yeah, I'm ready to get rid of it myself. All right, let's keep moving. Let's get to uh, results. Let's talk NIS, Chicago, Friday Open. Uh, Tony Rochette, uh, uh, he says, Damn, Mother Nature running top 10 halfway through and a thunderstorm kills the power for his entire city. So I guess you can't race if you don't have electricity. I never thought of that. Uh, Mason, you win NIS Chicago. Tell us about your win. Yeah, holy cow, was that a race. Um, it was a fun race, long green flag run at the start. Um, I was one of the two fastest cars for the long run. Uh, we did make our green flag pit stop, and we came back out. We were probably about 10 laps into the next green flag run. Somebody spun on the front stretch, stopped, and brought out the caution, um, which then triggered the next, like, eight cautions, you know. <laughs> um, I didn't pit on the first couple, um, but we didn't get enough green flag laps to matter. Um, so when I finally did pit, came back out, you know, in second or third place, um, on the second to last restart, I quickly took the lead before the last caution happened using some aggressive moves under the trioval. Um, and then the final restart there, we uh, had to block like crazy. I'll tell you that. It, well, it, that's it, the new NASCAR. Yeah. And yeah. if I remember correctly, because I was in that race with you as well, I think David was in that race with us as well. Um, that was... Wasn't there a huge wreck coming off of turn four and everybody was going through the grass? And I think I gained a whole bunch of positions because of that uh, wreck. Yeah, I, I finished P18 and was uh, was doing okay. Was probably going to get like a P10, somewhere top 10. And in the middle of the wreck, one of the guys who was wrecked and was down in the grass just decided not to, to hold his brake and rolled right back up onto the track and took me out. Yeah, um, I just wanted to shout out uh, Dustin Hall at Esports Racing Group. Um, they have a nice website with setup tips, and uh, I, I raced an A Open with him and was complaining about certain aspects of my setup, and he answered some questions that led me in a direction I wanted to go. And the setups have been great. You guys have been put down. And we need to talk about that direction for uh, the Saturday or the Sunday morning race. So uh, I I ran as well. I got a P7. I ran back half of the top 10 most of the night. I got door slammed, uh, went uh, to the back, but did make it back up to the front. With a green-white checker, uh, helped me get from 13th up to 7th. Uh, Saturday fixed afternoon, Tony Rochette did, did not finish. He did wreck uh, out by a car bouncing off the wall and clipped him. 
And then Sunday open, Tony got a P7, was having a good day, but latency issues made him pit and went two laps down. Uh, he made it back to P6 somehow and smacked the wall, dropping back to 17th. Uh, and then, Greg, you get the next win of Chicago in Sunday Open. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't. Let's put it this way, because I know David's probably pretty bitter at that race still. Um, yeah, but not race, towards you. No, that I didn't think so. But the I was in the right spot at the right time to get that win. But that was one of the craziest. I, I can't remember. Was it a green-white checker, or did we just have, like, two laps left i can't remember if it went into green white checkered or not but the the way it came down to the end there uh david was leading um and the guy i think on the that was starting second there david wasn't he the guy that was up front all no he was the guy that would be slow on restarts but he would get it on the longer run and he was holding up guys just on these quick little dashes you're having because we had a bunch of cautions that race and then all three of us ran up front for the majority of that race. I don't know what uh, Mason found in the set, and whatever he found in that Chicago set, we're going to definitely use going forward. But that thing was hooked up. Um, I was running in the top three all race. I had a couple incidents. Uh, I know I wrecked somebody just because I touched the apron a bit and came up and just got their corner. Um, but I, David got turned uh going into turn three on the last lap and i was the third car going into the corner and basically those two wrecked out and i kind of just picked up the win from that damn david that's a tough break uh tell us uh what you were thinking and the agony of defeat there well a lap car caused us to came in and and ran the low line and kind of kind of made it a little bit harder for me to protect the low line and i was just barely off the yellow line and the guy's apparently stuck his nose in and i i left just enough room and he slid up just a little and he punted me and he said i came down on him but when i look at the replay it looks like he came off the yellow line so i owe him a favor and um you know there's plenty of ways you can get back at somebody other than just flat out wrecking him so i definitely have the guy where it's easy for me to see him next time and uh you owe him a favor i owe him a favor you're gonna buy him a beer right (laughs) go ahead david (laughs) There's plenty of things you can do other than just flat out wreck, you know. So it's he... just it's such I, I I'm I'm just frustrated because obviously Mesa we we got an interesting email after that race as or or you got an interesting message in iRacing after that race, um, but that race was frustrating in the aspect of the beginning part of the race we had a long run and you saw who had good cars and who didn't and then there started. I think once we got past halfway, there started being those, you know, quick couple lap cautions and then people were running so hard. People do not, it, it's frustrating because people, no one, they, when they have a run, they always take it. There is no give and take. It, it, it's so frustrating to race these races. And then when you're trying to stay up there because you have a good car and you knew you had a good car and something happens in that pack because of these guys that, don't have long run sets or something it gets really frustrating when they start calling you out for stuff that you you know you shouldn't even have been in that situation with that person yeah i didn't talk about my race yet but i was in that same race with you guys and i wrote not a clean race um it was it was just tough no one was given everyone was taken 
especially on the restarts. I didn't enjoy doing the restarts. I mean, I know it's it's fun to watch on TV, but holy cow, trying to keep your car under you without hitting anybody is is quite the task, especially with all the aero push we're getting now. That it's it's rough. The worst right. part. So the worst part though of that too is the guy run or someone would run on your outside and push you down entering low in the corner and stay low against your door and then knowing that you're not going to make the corner properly and might come up a bit and then still gets mad at you when something like you touch the door or something like that it it's so frustrating yep all your actions have consequences all right uh sunday fixed i got p12 I led some laps, actually ran top five most of the day. I uh, got bumper hooked on a guy I was pushing and fell back near the end. Uh, I think, uh, Mason, you were watching, or maybe it was Jesse, but uh, it was a weird thing. I was just kind of pushing along, and he kind of moved a little bit, and it caused me to move, and then it, I lost it. I don't even know what happened. Yeah, I was spotting you on that one, Mike, and that was, I, I refer to it as a sticky bumper, because it was just a casual contact, it was nothing malicious, but right. you guys couldn't get off of each other, and by the time you did, it was a reactionary mess. Yeah, it felt like a bumper hook kind of thing, it was very, or sticky bumper, like you call it, absolutely. Alright, let's get into Daytona, Tony Rochette ran uh, Wednesday Fix, P9, he said, damn, almost had it, went green till about halfway, then Rex ensued. Survived most of them, had a little damage. On the second attempt, a green-white checker almost got the lead but made an error and was taken out by a guy that did not lift. And then uh, Wednesday open, David, you got a P22. Yeah, just, you know, it's Daytona. Got caught up in the big one, nowhere to go, and then was kind of hanging on at the end, was going to get a kind of moderately decent finish, and another big one happened coming to the checkered. And I checked up, the guy behind me didn't see it in time, hits me, punts me into the uh, pit lane, and, and I get shoved, I get penalized and put all the way to the back. I didn't even go back to look and see who it was because it's just Daytona racing. You're, you know, you're either going to hit the person in front of you or get hit by the person in the back of you. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, and I think Brent McCoy also got wrecked out. We don't have his result. And then, Greg, you got wrecked. Yeah, and that one was frustrating because... Um... I got put in a situation that, you know, it's racing near the end. I think we were in the lot with 10 to go. Um, me and Jesse had, were hooked together pretty much that whole race and we were coming up with a plan and, uh, yeah, it, the plan didn't, um, didn't work, didn't work. And, um, I ended up paying for it and, and then got called out by the guy, um, that put me in that situation um, saying, why didn't you, or wrecks me, can't hold the line and doesn't apologize right off the bat. And I said over the chat and I was frustrated. I was like, I haven't even seen the replay. I'm not going to apologize for something unless I know I did it. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know what happened, you know? The only question though, Greg, is were you wrecked or reaped? <laughs> All right. Tony Rochette was also wrecked. Jesse, it reaped. I'll tell you that. Uh, you, Jesse, you said wrecked 200 feet from the checker. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I was sitting eighth in the second or third groove. I don't even remember which. We were the usual, you know, coming to the line and there's nowhere to go. It doesn't matter if we're at Daytona or not, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, right at the very, very end, the second and third place wadded it up. Literally watched replay. Don't know how the leader just drove away and nobody else didn't, but we literally had 30 cars trying to smoke field infield trying to get over the line and get a finish 
I think David oh. even went through the pit road to try to sneak some spots on us. It was the weirdest finish to a race. I didn't try to do anything. I got sent there. Can you Ricky Bobby run across the line thing? It would have probably been faster. There was It was slow motion racing for multiple cars. It was hilarious. Okay. Let's talk about today's open. Uh, Bill Hull ran in my split. Uh, Bill got wrecked out. Uh, he was too far back and got caught up in one. Uh, I actually blew up running second on the outside lane coming to the white flag. I was in position to win. I was so freaking focused. I did not look at my oil temp any way, shape, or form, and I blew that sucker up and caused a big wreck, and I apologize to everybody who was involved. Uh, man, I haven't blown up an engine like that in probably a couple years. Uh, so uh, my bad. <laughs> Tonight when I run, I'm going to get that big old oil temp gauge and put it dead center in the screen so I don't miss it. Uh, David, you ended up wrecked out uh, from the lead with three to go net code we already talked about that a bit yeah we were in position to really con control the control it uh mason was on my outside and craig sykes got basically a real good friend of the team he ran daytona with us was behind me and already had said he's gonna try to push me to the win and we start going and craig sykes net codes into mason you know they, you can see on the replay they're nowhere near each other and then just all of a sudden mason goes whoop and turns into me and wrecks the whole front um so I, you remember there was a statement a while back when jimmy johnson was winning all the time i think it was harvick that said it about him having the golden horseshoe oh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling quite the opposite of that right now because it's two weeks in a row i've been in position to get the first win and then i got stuff it stuff like this happens because you're knocking the on the door that's the thing. You're knocking on the door, David, so it'll come soon. Just like, think of Alex Bowman. He got second place so many times, and then he won. So you're, you're right there. So hang in there. Uh, Jesse, you were the lucky person in that scenario. You got P2. You got to finish. Yeah, I was sitting fifth on that restart. David was uh, leading with Mason on the outside, like you said. And I, I didn't have anything for either one of them. I was just going to follow Craig and David, and then uh, that uh, net code happened. Somehow, speaking of the horseshoe, I uh, stole it from Greg for about 200, 300 feet, and everybody wrecked on both sides of me. I had nowhere to go, and nobody touched me. I thought for sure at some point I was going to have a car fly into me and got through it. Obviously, it uh, triggered a green-white checkered being so late in the race, and uh, Mason was nice enough to hop on and uh, give me some spotting because I was... I had gotten into Craig just a little bit because of that incident, and so the nose was not quite modified bad, but it was uh, pretty tore up. I was going to be leading him to the green. I just knew I just needed to hold the bottom, so I did just that, and the guy got real aggressive and went third groove and drove all the way around and got jumped out in front of me just barely. Didn't uh, have enough to hold him off, but I'll take second, especially after yeah. how this week's gone. We'll get a win here, I'm sure. Uh, we're, we're all running so well. Well done. And uh, our team standings are actually powered by iPitting. iPitting makes it easy for you to keep track of your iRacing team's progress throughout the season with up-to-the-minute race results, point standings, and driver rankings for everyone on your team. Go to iPitting.com. And here is our standings. As it shakes out, this is not including Daytona, Rochette is still holding on to the lead. Mason is three points behind. Chris Scales is nine points behind, and then I'm 10 points behind, and Bill's starting to fall a little bit behind. And then we got our four that are running towards the, that are still kind of in the running. Actually, there's just three on the list now. We got 
in the fixed standings, McCoy is starting to build up a comfortable lead. Uh, Mike has a 47-point deficit, and Bill is 60 points behind. Yeah, McCoy with his seven wins. <laughs> of course he's got a lead. Uh, yeah, he's doing really well in fixed. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, leagues, uh, old BRL, Arca, Jesse. Yeah, we went to the Tricky Triangle this week, and uh, I knew within two laps of practice, I, I think Brent was in team speak, and I was like, I don't even think I want to run this race. I was just, I believe I was like one and a half seconds or 1.3 seconds off the the average pace of top five cars uh, in practice. Somehow kind of taught myself as a race went on there. Uh, didn't have anywhere to go at the very, very end. Steve Thompson, congrats to him on the big W because he just dominating. Every time you look up through the end of the exit of the corners, he was four or five car links out. He just had everybody's number. Uh, it was a good race, though. It's uh, third week now. I'm very new to the league. And uh, they're on the cup side on Sundays and Arca side on this one. It's just really, really competitive, good, clean racing. So if anybody's out there below 3,500 I rating, and over 35 years old, uh, hit them up, get a hold of them. Good league to run in. Old Bastards Racing League. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, Podium Esports Monday Night Madness. Uh, Mason, you won. Yeah, so this series was extended a week because they couldn't get the broadcast for the other Monday night. Um, so this was the final two races of the Super Speedway series. They do a Daytona race. And then they take a like 10 minute break and do a Talladega race. And I won the very final race. Um, I snuck through a wreck at the end. There was more nut code. Um, teammate Brent McCoy was leading. And he swears I wrecked uh, fourth place, but I swear it was net code. Regardless, I won. With all the net code discussion this week, maybe that was it, but I don't know. All right. And then Northwest Racing Series. Yes, we went to Daytona this week in the Xfinity cars. And. Honestly, within two laps, you realize really quick that uh, these cars do not have the aero package that the cup cars have. You uh, cannot make a run. You can't even hold the high line with the side draft at all. You'll just fall back. It's very uh, old school, if you will, for uh, a modern series. But it's fun because it's a different different way to get around the, the Daytona scenario. But uh, I, was, uh, I was, again, stuck mid-pack, nowhere to go, late, 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 uh, buddy and neighbor. Uh, I used to grow up racing with in real life. Seth Frazier got the W, was in the right place at the right time, and he's still got a pretty good, I want to say like a 30-point points lead on the series. He's been our series leader all year long. He's had a good season. Okay, very good. Let's get into final thoughts. David Hall. Uh, I'm going to keep running him, but, yeah, I don't like play racing. <laughs> That's about all I have today. All right. Greg Hectus, final thought. Um, I'm just... Uh... I'm hoping uh, with two more starts this week at Daytona, I can keep my uh, streak going of wins per week. I've got three weeks in a row I've won. Um, I also, with my bad finish last night, um, stopped a streak of eight races that I hadn't gained I rating in, so, or that I had gained I rating in. So it's the first time I've dropped in eight races a, a little bit of I rating. Um, but uh, I'm looking to uh, get anybody to come watch me on my stream uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's cactus with two k's um and uh just looking forward to racing with the guys this week uh i know jesse david and mason and i seem to be in the same split all the time so it'll be good to have that at daytona so see it on the track guys all right very good jesse gray final thought 
just another uh, another week of progress in the NIS for everybody involved. I think Mike nailed it on the head. Every everybody's moving in the right direction. So hopefully we just keep uh, momentum rolling. Get a couple more W's before the week's over. All right, very good. Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, I'm feeling a little light in the wallet this week. Um, I spent some money on a used McLaren GT3 rim. Um, it does work. Don't worry. The paddles work. I got to knock on all the wood I can find, but they, they do work. Um, I also uh, purchased the ProSimTech PT2 pedals. They released Ooh. their uh, batch six this week. Um, they should ship sometime next week. And uh, finally, I, we got Jack Dolmage on here because I bought his old Fanatec rim, the GT-style rim. Uh, I, with, the, the, with getting the McLaren rim, it has a quick release on it, and this uh, CSL P1 um, does not take the quick release, so it was getting extraordinarily annoying to unscrew the uh, rim and put the other one on. So um, I saw teammate well jesse posted in our group chat that jack was selling it and uh, i snagged it up well man you are light in the wallet uh those are some kick butt pedals i've heard so good luck with those yeah i'm excited okay uh jack dolmage thanks for coming on your final thoughts yeah uh getting excited for spa coming up uh i think on the 20th of july so um, because as you guys heard earlier, I don't have a wheel to race on. I'll be doing a lot more crew chiefing and uh, strategy for the team more than anything, but yeah, we're excited for that. We're still looking for a couple drivers. So if anyone listening, uh, is interested in, uh, driving a GT car, we're still actually having the vote for which one for spa. Um, you can, uh, you can find us at uh, GTSL underscore esports, uh, and then another underscore after that. Um, but you should be able to find out with the first one on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Um, good group of guys looking to race. We actually just had our first uh, win, endurance win, uh, for a three-hour VRS race last weekend. So, so to those guys. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jack. Uh, and then Kevin Hash, final thoughts. I'm hoping you guys can keep sponsoring races and leagues I'm in so I can see if I can't keep coming on here and being a part of y'all's podcast. But, uh, yeah, just thanks again for sponsoring that race. It was a really fun race. Um and uh, I may have to try to help Mason get a win here before too long so he can be in the playoffs against me. All right. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm happy to have help. you anytime. <laughs> I was running at Pocono, a P1, you know it. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, and then uh, my final thoughts uh, tonight are, man, I, I can't believe the I rating I'm giving up, but I'm trying not to let it bother me. I've just been in a decline, actually. I'm running good, but I don't have the finishes to back it up, and it's killing the I-rating. And so i got to get that turned around this week. Uh, I'm excited about Daytona. I can just feel a win. I, I was so close earlier, and I just screwed up with the blowing the engine with the overheating. And so I just got to put it all together and bring it home. So looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to my new wheel. It's still going to be a, a, a while. August 17th is when it ships, and, boy, that is just taking forever. But... And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.